the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ellen Resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Here we are, <laughs> like Mighty Mouse. Here he comes to save the day. What did you touch? What, what did I touch? What did you touch? Why did it mess you up? Yeah. Why you don't hear anything? Just barely. Oh, time. Oh, well, let's. I can. I can help you out. Does that help? There we go. Soapy Dollar making uh, adjustments to the board. We're getting Jacob and uh, Lonnie. He he's he's got bad hearing, folks. He's getting old. He just can't. Here, like he used to. Uh, the problem is, it, it, it's me. Is there any music or anything on right now? No, there's nothing on okay. but my voice. So, your voice. The dulcet tones of Soapy Dollar's voice. Wow. All right. Dulcet. Dulcet tones, right? Dulcet. Comes yeah. from the uh, Latin dulce, meaning yeah. sweet. It's an instrument, an old English instrument called <laughs> that. It's like, a, it's like a set of a flat guitar. I was, I was eager to sh- show you that. I know another language, too. I mean, you know, you you're do. always showing off your Hebrew expertise. And uh, I thought, well, you know, got to know that. I speak a little Espanol también. Well, here we go, folks. We are in the house. We are talking. We're ending up uh, coming toward the end of the book of Second Samuel. The, we've taken them together, First and Second Samuel, as uh, read them together, as they were originally written as one book. Uh, and so we're finishing up uh, chapters tw- uh, tonight. Second Samuel chapter two through twenty one. These must be short chapters, evidently. Uh, the style of that book, but we're picking up there, and we'll finish up the book of Second Samuel in our reading on Monday tomorrow evening, and then we'll be turning back to the New Testament, uh, away from the Tanakh, and going back and picking up in the New Testament. <laughs> I'm tempted to tell you John's joke about Tanakh, Tanakh. <laughs> he has a Tanakh, Tanakh joke. 
Tanak, Tanak, yeah, who, who, who's there? Anyway, uh, to who's there, to who's there, yeah. Uh, who's to there, who's to there? Oh, I, I have to work on it. Yes, but please, we, please feel free. <laughs> yes, off the air, right? On Tuesday night, we'll pick up with the Gospel of John, and I, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated. That is the more, the, the more theological, the most theological of the four Gospels. I would say most theological, I it's a terminology I use. I hope that doesn't uh, offend anybody or confuse anybody. They're all theological. They all talk about uh, Matthew, Christ the King, the Messiah, the Redeemer, Mark, Christ the Servant, You know, emphasizing the servant nature of the Messiah, and Luke emphasizing the humanity, the, the Dr. Luke talking about the uh, human nature and aspect of Jesus, um, you know, God, the God-man and what that means, trying to help clarify it for us. But nobody does that better, actually, than I think the Apostle John. And the, and the, he also addresses that the God-man, the nature of the Messiah, and we'll pick up with him. He, but he emphasizes the deity. Uh, to me, I find it that makes more sense because everybody understands a man. We all understand a man because we all – we're men. We're yeah. people. Uh, and so we see that, uh, but to see, to understand the idea see these of God become a man. icons of Mary? Well, Mary you know? uh, say again? You ever see the icons of paintings, the pictures of The Mary? Madonna, yes, I've seen uh, a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, I bet you have. And you ever notice she has her hands stretched out and she's, uh, she's always looking kind of sad and forlorn? A little bit, yeah. Yes, I know why. Oh, would you did, like to know why? I'd like to know how you found out well, first. That's, listen, just work with me on this. Did the angel it's, Gabriel no, come? No, no, okay, it's all because right. she was hoping for a girl. <laughs> well, she may have had a girl. Remember, Jesus had brothers and sisters uh, later on, so maybe uh, later on. Well, no, that's very uncatholic of you. <laughs> I know, I guess it is. But uh, well, Suzanne and I uh, had two boys, and we wanted a girl, and we got a girl. Uh, for, for what it's worth, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. Well, I, guess I don't I, either, but it was a fascinating, fascinating story. little story. I was right? wondering, have the movie rights been already sold? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's pick up. We read Second uh, Samuel, so let's take some. Uh, let's spend some time talking about this, the books of First and Second Samuel, let's, and as we ended up, yes, remember, yes. folks, if you haven't. Um, uh, if you don't remember, haven't joined with us before, we're making our way through the entire Bible every year uh, on weeknights, Monday through Friday. You can hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures every weeknight, 930 in the evening on this great channel, this great station. And then uh, here on the on Sundays, we discuss with you and we take your phone calls, your questions, your observations, your uh, opinions and thoughts about uh, the passages we read this past week specifically. But you can call and, and talk about anything, actually. Sometimes the listeners call in on a totally different book that they've been reading and they have a question about or a comment about. That's fine. All things biblical. Uh, that's what the Bible Live I, I, is all I, about. I would, if I was calling in, I'd ask a question about a book. About a book? Uh-huh, you said any book. Any Well, not any book, oh, the book. Okay. I see how this is. Okay. Any book of the book. Remember, there are 66 books, right, well, written and, over a period of 1,400 Bibles, years. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we've got uh, – you can do that. You can give us a call tonight, 210-340-9585 for the next uh, – I was going to say 90 minutes, but let's just say 84 or 83 minutes. You can call in and be a part of the program. 
Give your thoughts. Ask your questions about all things biblical. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, even if you just want to talk about this whole idea of, of a relationship well, we with God, what it remember. means to know God. So you know, we do have one hanging question. Yes. Uh, yeah, from last week, right? Well, yes. From last what, week, yes okay. Right. Good, good, good. Let's go back and pick well, it up well, for no, sure. We're going, do you remember what the question was? No, I don't. But I'm counting on you. Uh-huh. It's where is, in the Bible, David's sword? Where is Goliath's sword? Okay, remember? that's yeah. right. Exactly, yes, I remember right. what, and yes, I remembered uh, what Goliath's I head spilled, was buried. I but I, my cornflakes when you made me jump. All right, all right. Here we go. First and Second uh, Samuel. Uh, this is about this man named Samuel. He was a little boy. He, remember, his mother Hannah was praying in the temple. Eli, the high priest, saw her praying and thought she was drunk, <laughs> and he chided her about it and kind of corrected. And she said, "No, no, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm so forlorn. I'm so sad because I, I want to have a child." and I can't and and uh, I prayed and asked God and Eli uh, gave her the assurance that God heard her prayer uh-huh. and that she was going to have a child you know, but she had made a promise if I if you give me a child Lord I will let that child serve you all the days of his life so uh, when the child was born she kept it for a, a time a period and then uh, she took him back to the tabernacle and turned him over to Eli to be Eli's Assistant, young assistant. I, I don't know. I still don't know how old he was when that happened. Do you happen to know? Was it probably well, he around was eight? Weaned. He was weaned. He was what? He was weaned yeah. from uh, breast never, milk. I don't and, get this. She wants a baby. She prays for a baby. She gets a baby. Then she gives. She gives it away. Yeah. yeah. But I bet she stayed in touch. I bet they email emailed well, every, every day. Every year it says that she made clothes for him every year. Okay. Did you know that? I did. It I did realize that. that. But I, I don't doubt too much that she, you know, they had contact. More than just once a year, I'm guessing. I mean, I mean being moms being how they are and all that sort of thing. But Samuel was there now serving Eli. He's not a he's not a Levite, no. but he he is a transition personality from the time of the the emphasis on the priest to the times the emphasis on the prophets, and the time of the emphasis on the uh, hmm, what is it on the on the judges. He transitions to the time of the kings because the people said, we want a king, we want a king. But but Samuel grew up in this role, and he gained great uh, uh, fame. People were happy with him. People were pleased with him. People were, Maybe he was cute as a kid, and people just loved him. He just And he was there. He was there. He was the people's priest, the people's prophet. But he makes that transition now. And uh, so that's, we see him. He... He brings on and, and uh, uh, kind of in a sense appoints uh, God appoints Saul, but and, and points him out for the people. But uh, Samuel then, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anoints him uh, officially and so on. And he's the one that bears the news to him, and and he tells him the bad news when God had abandoned Sam, Saul. And so we see the ups and downs of this King Saul, and then uh, of course Jesus, uh, God has already got David in the uh, waiting uh, in the batter's cage to come on and be king after Saul, and Samuel knows this, and so there that brings us to where we are now. Uh, uh, we're coming to the end of the life of Saul, uh, and we're watching uh, now, Samuel already died. Now we're in these particular chapters, Second Samuel two. Uh, I can't. Yeah, let me see. Samuel has already died, passed yeah, from the scene. Yeah, had, we talked about the. Uh, yeah, 
No, you go ahead. We talked about the Witch of Endor. Uh, uh, what's the her name? Witch, yes. Endora? Uh, Endora. Endora, but in the TV show it was Bewitched, she was Endora. Endora, okay. I always wondered if that was really her. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> Well, anyway, we talk, we discussed that at length last week. The whole scene uh, and Samuel showing goodness. up, uh, in, in evidently or, or or it seems from the language. But your view in the general, uh, I guess the well, actually, it's pretty clear. Conservative Jewish not really. view is that she has not got the power to conjure. Yeah, but she has the power to trick. And, and the enemy of our souls has the enemy to has well, the ability to trick as well. She also picks up a few well. dollars on the side, if you know. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked all about that, and uh, the idea that Satan can confuse, right? I mean, that would be another factor that we could throw in there. If 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 we, I have the idea of the biblical Satan. Evidently, he can uh, confuse. A lot of people say, "Oh, God appeared to me, this, that, and the other," and maybe sometimes it's the enemy appearing to bring. So confusion and, and, and distraction from the Lord. Yeah, that's another thought about that. But here we are in the last chapters now of Second Samuel. Uh, Samuel's son, uh, Saul's son, Ishbosheth. I remember when I was recording the Bible, the entire Bible. Uh, one night I got so tired I could not say the word Ishbosheth. <laughs> my mouth just wouldn't form. The, I had to quit because. Uh, my mouth got too tired to say it. Uh, just a little sideline there. But we have Saul, a son, Ishbosheth. Uh, he lost Abner's military support because he, he accused the general of uh, sleep, sleeping with one of Saul's concubines, Rispa, which he was a true, uh, a true accusation. But I wanted to get, uh, maybe we could talk a little bit tonight, Jacob, about the politics of Saul and David and these generals, um, Abner's. Uh, Abner was Saul's general, and uh, who was David's general? I've forgotten. That was um, Joab. Joab, boy, he was a piece of work. Yeah, he uh, was—he's he, my hero. If I ever had a lot of money, uh-huh. I would make a movie and I'd call it Joab. Uh-huh. He is the man. I get it, and I understand because we talked about it before. Maybe you can remind us tonight why you think that. But boy, he—he—he he, um, he didn't mess with him. He yeah. had David's back. He sure did. The, no doubt about it. He had, but he wasn't a beyond just a little bit of personal agenda every now and again, you know. Um, well, he had his own idea of who should be king after David, <laughs> and who should be David's general, right? Because didn't David kind of make a deal with uh, Abner that that if you because remember Saul's. People, the people that followed on the tribe of Benjamin, basically, I guess, they didn't want David, and they didn't accept David. For nine years, David was the king of of, of um, Judah and Benjamin in the south. Yeah, there about. But he was not accepted as the king of the whole, uh, all the tribes of Israel until uh, after those. I guess it was about what eight or nine years that passed, and so. Uh, but then there was this jockeying, there was this politicized, this political rivalry, and, and about it. And, and Joab was wow, he was tough as nails. He 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 wiped some people out. He killed a lot of people. Is that what generals do, Jacob? Is that why well, you admire him so? I don't know if they do that, but they seem to do that. He killed he killed a David's son, Absalom, when Absalom rebelled against him. Right? Wasn't it Joab? It was Joab. So that, why he's he's harsh. No, he wasn't harsh. I mean, I mean, his he, job 
He was the right. Colin Powell or of the day. That was his job description. That was his yeah. job. And he even defended David against his own son. Exactly. Well, so, okay. I mean, you know, what I'm saying is, you now that's the kind of guy, if you had a dozen of those kind of guys, <laughs> you're in business. Yeah, uh, that that does make sense. I, I can understand it. But I guess from just kind of us looking on and reading about it, we're thinking, whoo-wee, I think he, boy, he was tough as nails. He was, he was straightforward. He didn't mess around. Uh, very interesting guy. But so we could talk about Abner. We could talk about Joab. We can talk about well, the— Actually, I'd like to begin with your question number eight. Uh, oh, is this about the uh, sword? Nope. I don't want to lose sight of the oh, sword. we're not going to lose sight of the sword. I'm just going to let it may you hang over your head for a short time. Okay. Uh, the, short, the sword of— uh, Damocles. Damocles. Okay. Now, question number eight on our, our list of questions here was staying in Jerusalem. While his army was out fighting, this was the spring of the year when armies and generals and kings usually go out to battle. And instead of going out with his general and with his troops, David stayed in Jerusalem. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, and he I commits don't think adultery. It's the hands are worried about that. Is not his hands we're worried about. Yes, David committed adultery with Bathsheba, uh, who was the wife of one of his. Uh, commanding officers, uh, Uriah the Hittite, who uh, was a convert. He was a follower of the true living God. He, uh, uh, But he was out there serving his king and his country, and David commits adultery with his wife. Uh, and um, th- th- something I want to throw in here. Now, tell us your perspective and this, this background information about every – uh, command uh, every commander in the army and so on that they signed some kind of a contract with the king not with the king no w- w- with w- with whom then well they had a grant uh before they went to battle in case they didn't want to they the word actually was a chained woman they didn't want a woman chained so if there was any chance of them being killed they'd always write out a certificate of divorce that took effect upon their death a certificate of divorce, and they would assign the king as— No, no, not the king. That the woman would be free. The, the, oh, that the woman remarry. Is, that she could remarry. Yeah. So is that—that that is what is used— I, because I used to always wonder, why wasn't David executed? Because both adultery and uh, murder, which he, in effect, committed with Uriah, put him up front and told all his troops to back off and let him be killed— and Joab again, <laughs> our good old friend Joab. Actually, it's uh, no, he did. In fact, uh, in Second Samuel twelve, uh-huh. uh huh. See what verse uh, twelve um, nine. Okay, let me get says, my, uh, says Nathan says to David, "You murdered him with the sword of the Ammonites." So. That's what it says. Okay, yeah. Okay. You murdered him with the sword of the Ammonites. That's right. You you did this thing, uh, this terrible thing, and but those are both capital crimes. Yeah. And I've always kind of wondered. I wonder why David was was it because he was the king, and so many more people would suffer if he were executed than others. In other words, we're having this big controversy in our own culture today about equal law, equal um, under the law, equal rights, equal protections, equal treatment under the law and we've got uh, you know Hillary Clinton and the Democrats essentially being above the law they're not being 
they're not being pursued and the law isn't being pursued to them as direct. You know, you have this, what's this movie guy that's in the news today? He's a Democrat liberal from Chicago and, and they let him off the crime. You don't know about that guy? Smollett. Smollett, yeah. And of course, even the mayor of Chicago, even our good friend Rahm Emanuel, he came out against oh, that. Oh come yeah. on! All right, come, come on. on. Explain Rahm to me. Rahm Emanuel was the uh, one of the top advisors and strategists for the Clintons. Oh, I know. Do you think they really made that happen without getting his clearance? I, I'm going to suggest to you the deal. This is all hey, Rob, part of the sham. What, huh? We're going to let this guy go. We're going to pull whatever things we can. But you come out in the public. And, and you, you can you, look good. No, go go ahead, Soapy. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm following your thoughts. I, I hadn't no, thought not. of that. You but thought you, that was intentional. Okay. Well, no, I'm oh, saying. Oh, you think that, that might have been intentional. I'm saying, do you, I'm just saying, do you really think since you want to get off on that, uh-huh. do you really think that they would do that and nail one of their top advisors that they ever had? I do not think so. My personal thought is they, there was a plan. These people are very smart. Oh, I know and that. not just the Democrats. Republicans do it, too. Well, they don't do it as well. Ah, uh, well, we don't. I don't think that. the Republicans are nearly well, as good okay, at this. I'm giving everybody as much credit as being as equally smart as anybody else. Okay. But I think they said, this, we're going to do this. You come out, you be against it, you look good. A couple of days later, you come out and explain why Smollett did it. And he came out a couple of days later, and he explained why Smollett did it. He said Smollett lied. But then he came out and said Smollett lied because of the environment that Trump has created. I oh, think this is totally I see. staged. Mm-hmm. No, I don't doubt that. Really I've been don't. around. In yeah. fact, if I may quote uh, Al Pacino in The Scent of the Woman, I've been around. You know what I mean? I've been around. <laughs> Al Pacino is one of your favorites. I can tell. You always quote well, Al. I like that. I like that because he's, he's telling people, you're not pulling something Hoo-yah! on me. Remember? Yeah, when I've you been did. around. You know? mm-hmm. Hey, my well, point is, since you brought that up, so okay, so there's a lot of strategy going on. Uh-huh. But... In this case, the one that was not in the strategy was Uriah the Hittite. Mm-hmm. He left out of the loop. But what did he have any kind of, off top of your head today, any kind of special status with our guy David? I don't know. He was a uh, Hittite. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, I, I'm, I'm guessing he was a convert. Uh, maybe that would have made him closer to David in a way. Yeah. I don't know if he. I don't know of any special uh, it, relationship any, outside like, any, of anything? his wife being. Yeah, let me prime. The he was well. a neighbor. Let me prime the well. Was he not considered one of the mighty men? You're exactly right. He's one of the thirty David's thirty mighty men that he lists at the end of the Book of Second uh, Samuel. Right? Actually, it's uh, it is in chapter twenty-three. 20, twenty-three, and yeah. it's in verse thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. So it lists all David's special uh, protective e- warriors. Makes it even worse. He's one of his thirty mighty men. I mean, this gang that totally well, now, committed let's, to let's David. Pause a second. This proves something else. Okay. Among those 30 specialized Green Berets. They weren't all Jews, right? That's what you – I'm anticipating your thought, no, your you're brilliant not. You're thoughts. No, you're stealing my thunder. <laughs> oh, go for it. Go for it. I want to hear this again. Okay. No, no you don't. You want no, to hear I do. It? I do. When you say you want to hear it again, you mean you want me to repeat what you said? No, last year. <laughs> I'm uh, remembering. But, but the point is, is that obviously you did not have to be Jewish to be accepted in Israel. Or 
David, but the understanding is, I guess, is is it a uh, an understanding or is it a presupposition that they all were converts? Who's converts? Uriah the Hittite and, and I don't know of any literature anywhere. Maybe there is, and I don't know it. I don't know any literature anywhere that says that he was a convert. Uh-huh. Uh, however, um, I think it stands the reason that he accepted the idea of one God and not the Hittite God. The Hittites had their own gods. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, certainly he's in the list of David's mighty men, and he's the guy that gets betrayed by David. Oh, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that does nothing more but make what David did uh, more complicated and bleaker. Uh, but but I, I was going to make the point that, as you said, that these guys have filled out a, a divorce. That that piece of paper that says if I'm killed, you know, that the, the woman is free, that might figure into why David was not. Well, that's one of the things that a lot of the ancient rabbis came and tried to explain it away to cover David's sin. Yeah. Uh, I personally— Legally not, speaking, I well, guess it does I'm do not, it, right? I personally am not letting him off the hook. He knew that Bathsheba was married to somebody else. I'm not giving him that uh, break. You know? So you think that the fact that he wasn't executed for his two capital crimes, it uh, evidently— did God seem to be all right with that, that he was not Oh, I don't think God was executed. all right with that or not. Actually, that's why I'm hitting that question, because the next two questions on your list of questions prepared by you and your family uh-huh. actually starts coloring this story together when you said, let's talk about politics. Okay, okay. Well, you take it from here, No, then. no, no. I insist that you what? go ahead and interrupt. <laughs> don't don't interrupt me. No, I'm don't sorry. talk to me while I'm, I'm sorry, interrupting. I didn't hear okay. what you were saying. I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've got several questions there. Right, Uriah the Hittite, and then so we know the story. Maybe you should tell people the story of what happened. Okay, Maybe they don't know. All right, Uriah is out. We've already mentioned that David stayed home. The army is out there fighting some battle against the what was the Ammonites. Who was it they were fighting? Do you remember? The Ammonites. Ammonites, okay. And so uh, David has this, uh, he commits adultery with Uriah's wife. She gets pregnant. She gets pregnant. Yeah, and what all of a sudden. What does he do to try to cover it? So he, uh, who knows what all he did to try to cover it, I don't know. Um, but he, w- one thing we do know is he called his old good buddy Joab, his Commander, oh, no, we're out of time, Soapy. Oh, my lens. What did he do to cover his sin? Well, we'll cover that when we get he back. He gave a letter to to uh, to Uriah to hand carry his own death commission to Joab. In fact, you'll find it in uh, that's right, eleven chapter. He had Uriah deliver the in message. The morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it in the hand of Uriah. In the letter, he wrote as follows: Place Uriah in the front line where the battle is the heaviest. Then withdraw so he'll be wounded and die. Well, if you don't know this whole story, we'll come back and tell you all about it. There's, it, it gets thicker. The plot does thicken. Uh, David tries other methods before he sends this note for his killing. But uh, we'll talk about it when we get back. 210-340-9585. Don't you go away. We'll be back in mere moments. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Whatever is ours is God's. Hey there, welcome to another daily encouragement from Our Daily Bread. The devotional reading today is Borrowed Blessings, and it was written by James Banks. As we bowed our heads over lunch, my friend Jeff prayed, Father, thank you for letting us breathe your air and eat your food. Jeff had just been through a difficult job loss, so his heartfelt trust in God and recognition that everything belongs to him profoundly moved me. In 1 Chronicles 29, when King David received offerings from the people of Israel for building the temple in Jerusalem, he prayed, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Then he added, All of it belongs to you. Deuteronomy 8 tells us that even the ability to produce wealth and earn a living come from Him. Understanding that all we have is borrowed encourages us to loosen our grip on the stuff of this world and live with open hands and hearts, sharing freely because we're deeply thankful for the kindnesses that we receive daily. God is a generous giver, so loving that He even gave up His Son for us all. Because we have been given so much, may we give Him our heartfelt thanks for blessings, small and large. To get our daily bread in print or ebook, visit getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by our daily bread ministries middle of the day or middle of the night you can always hear your favorite national and local ministry shows on am 630 the word including truth for life weekday mornings at 7 and maranatha bible church weekdays at 5 p.m hear the word all day every day on am 630 the word at am 630 the com. hey this is bob olszewski thanks for listening to plugged in 29-year-old Irish native Andrew Hosier Byrne, known to the world simply as Hosier, has released a chart-topping album called Wasteland Baby. The album is made up of tracks featuring contrasting emotions as the singer frequently fluctuates between holding on to hope one moment and swooning bleakly into despair the next. When you move there are some really solid moments here, such as a tune featuring gospel powerhouse Mavis Staples that reminds listeners that there is power in standing for what is right. The end result, however, are muddled messages that paradoxically suggest that everything and nothing is truly sacred. For a full review, visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. I believe in six days at a rest. 
You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back, and I believe too. Do you believe? Uh, uh, in what? <laughs> you saw that trap coming, right? I was going to close the trap on him, folks. We are back. This is the Bible Live. We're talking about all things biblical, particularly into the books of First and Second Samuel. We just read the last closing chapters of Samuel, but we didn't get to the list of David's mighty men. In uh, chapter twenty-three, well, uh, we'll yes, finish it out tomorrow we did, night. We did mention it. Yes, we'll finish it out tomorrow uh, night uh, when we'll, we'll actually read about it. So, in fact. well, what happened is, so okay. Uriah was married to Bathsheba. You were telling us, mm-hmm. and then what happened is he couldn't. David couldn't get Uriah to go home because because Uriah was such an honorable guy. He slept in the doorway of David's house. That's it. It wasn't just he tried to. Get it? Uh, and he what tried to work it out where somebody could right cover for himself. Me to have the comfort of my home and my wife if my men don't have it. What a guy! What, what a guy! What a general! I mean, really, a great leader of me. Uh, I what? What right do I have to sleep with my wife in comfort of my home when my men are out sleeping on the ground and 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 apart, so separate from their families? So he said the only families. thing to yeah. do is since she's pregnant. Um, we're going to have to find a way to get rid of your eyes. So he actually, as I was reading, he sends the. Uh, in the Second Samuel, chapter eleven, verse fourteen, he said he wrote uh, verse uh, fifteen. He says he writes a letter and it's to Joab, and uh, it's a good thing Uriah was so honorable because a lot of people would opened up. Open up the letter, yeah. Oh, oh my list! I did it again. No, I, no. What makes you think you did it again? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sure, I had never thought of that. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, uh, this story actually exists also with a supposedly, reputedly, a true story between Abraham Lincoln. And he wrote a letter, too. Really? Yeah, somebody came to see him, and uh, Abraham, and he had been sued. And Abraham Lincoln said, well, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't represent you because I'm actually the lawyer that's representing the railroad suing you. But I have a friend, and the next time is a good, a good lawyer, and I'll write a note for you. And so he wrote it out, and he sealed it. Well, on the way there, the guy opened it and read it. Do you know what the letter said? It said, two fat geese, you pluck one, I'll pluck the other. <laughs> you got to be kidding. I'm not kidding. That is, oh, my land. So Uriah is a man of integrity. He doesn't even read the letter. So now, obviously. I guess there was a law against reading, a postal law about reading other people's mail, right? I uh, suppose. That's why I've been told other people other than Christians should not read the New Testament because they're reading other people's mail. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that too. All right, go ahead. Uh, you. So here, okay. So now she gets pregnant. Uriah is dead, and she has a baby, doesn't she? Yeah, that's driving everything. That pregnancy. That, that so, yeah, she has a baby. So what happens? What happens? Let's take. A well, look. the baby dies. Okay. Right. Is it immediately at birth, or does the well, baby on the eighth by the before the eighth day? Uh huh. Now, why the eighth day? Uh, that's when they're circumcised. Oh, very good, Soapy. You've uh-huh. been reading the notes. The, the the baby boys, the baby Jewish so boys. So Nathan comes and he confronts David, and he says, "Look what you've done." And of course, Nathan says, uh, 
you know, he tells a story about the two sheep. And he's, and David evidently doesn't get the story. And Nate, he says, you know, there's this poor guy. He has two sheep. And uh, see, uh, see. Well, he just has one sheep, right? And the other, 12 his... 2 uh, is 12 2 of uh, Second Samuel. 12 2. Uh-huh. Uh, in the town, there were two men in the town, one rich, one poor. Uh, the rich man had very many sheep, but the poor man only had one small ewe. Uh-huh. And he cared for it, and he loved it. He took care of it. He brought it up with his children. Like a pet, him. yeah. And, uh, and the guests came to the rich man's house. But he was too miserly to kill one of his own sheep, so he took the poor man's ewe, and he prepared it, and he killed it. And so what happens is... Um, David's anger grew. I'll read this to you. It says five, verse five. David's uh-huh. anger flared up. What chapter up is it? Second Samuel chapter twelve, uh-huh, uh-huh. verse five. Okay. David's anger flared up at the man. He said to Nathan, "As God lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He shall pay it fourfold." Uh, actually, See, from I, his own lips, he well, deserves I, to I, die. What I like is it's uh, David is saying, "I'll kill him myself." Who is he? And of course, Nathan says in verse seven. You are the man. Now, what's interesting is, is that David admits it, and he says, I have sinned. But now let's take a look, because this is where the story, to me, starts getting very interesting. Uh-huh. Look at Second Samuel twelve, thirteen. Do you have your Bible this evening? Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Oh, wait. Right there, so I want to stop for just a moment. May okay. I? Okay, yes. Okay, look what David said. I have sinned against God. Now, I want you to pause there because there's something very Jewish going on here. That's also, frankly, I believe in the New Testament, but it's not talked about. Uh huh. But he says, uh, then David said to Nathan, who is the, the seer, the priest, I have sinned against God. Uh, God has forgiven your trespass. You will not die. Nathan, this gets to your question. Nevertheless, since you have spurned God's enemies by doing this, the son will be born to you. He will die. Then Nathan went home. God struck the child that Nathan, the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. Now, this will be one of the last times. It's an illness. Mm. Well, this will be one of the last times that your Bathsheba will be referred to as Uriah's wife. After the baby dies, she'll no longer be referred to as Uriah's wife. After the baby dies. Now, Uriah's already dead. Maybe after Uriah's death, she's not no, referred to. No, no, it's after the child dies. Okay. Now, hmm. so, and David says in <coughs> verse 16, David beseeched the, Lord, uh, beseeched the Lord on child's sake. He fasted, and he went in, the, he laid on the ground, and he prayed. Uh-huh. Well, everybody's very concerned about it. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is, is I want to show you something interesting. The reason I want to stop right there where it said, then David said, Nathan, I have sinned against God. Uh-huh. Well, didn't he also sin against Uriah, against Bathsheba, and against the baby? Of course. Of course he did. So. And against, I suppose, if you want to really take against his people, against. Okay. He let everybody so down. it's not Nathan just, my point is it's just not God, is it? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but the point is David says God. Now why would David say that? Well, it's true. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We need some uh 
We need. Uh, I can see. do that. You want me to do that? Why not? I got a Bible Live quiz. This is our song. They're not dun, 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 dun. Our oh, song go is. Ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Josh, what is that? The B I B L E. Oh. Yes, that's the book for me. This is a lot better. Okay, that was mine. Was a lot better. Okay, yours is better. Uh, anyway, but the point is, so uh, after the baby dies, uh huh, he then takes Bathsheba as his wife. They have another baby. The baby's name is Absalom. Absolutely wrong. Absolutely, absolutely so wrong. It's Solomon. Oh, oh, I know. It's it's who? Solomon. Oh, you're you're right. You're oh my. Well, I'm man, reading that's, the that's, book. That's, Perhaps that's, that would yes. be advantageous yeah, for all of us. If I looked at the book, if I had just thought about it, though, I would have uh, known. It, tw- verse twenty-four. It was David consoled. Okay. Now look at here. Now look. Now David consoled his wife Bathsheba. Now the baby's dead. Now for the, now she'll not be called Uriah's wife anymore. The baby's dead. Uh, he went to her. He slept with her, and at length she bore a son, and they named him Solomon, uh-huh. for God loved him. God sent a messenger through the prophet Nathan and called him Jediah for God's sake. Okay, now, this is very interesting. Now, David said, against God I sinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you, you, you're familiar with... Uh, uh, something in the New Testament uh, called uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? Right. Uh-huh. Well, actually, if you read the Lord's Prayer closely, it 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 incorporates uh, what's actually the Jewish idea of Rosh Hashanah uh-huh. and Yom Kippur. Aha. Uh-huh. So, and and then of course it says something about if you forgive other people their sins, then God will forgive yours, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So you're required now on Rosh Hashanah. And this is the religion of David at this time. Uh, Rosh Hashanah said, for you have a 10-day window. Mm-hmm. Now, if you haven't done it prior to, you can do it prior to. But for that that time, it's the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, or the new year. Uh, you have 10 days. If you have not made recompense to the party you injured, then that's the time you do. If I stole the hundred bucks from me, I go back mm-hmm. and say, "Here, I stole the hundred bucks. Here's a two hundred. That's the time to make it right with the to the person, not mm-hmm. to God, not to God, not to God. That's why David is saying, "I have sinned against God." Now we're going to figure out why he said that. Would you like to figure out? Why? Yeah, no, I think you're on a good path. Well, I don't know about that. Perhaps uh, I'll get halfway through and you'll explain it to I us. probably won't interrupt <laughs> you this time because um, I don't okay. know this. No, but anyway, listen all, listen, all joking aside. So Solomon's born. If Uriah had not died, technically speaking, whose son should Solomon be? Uriah's son. Yeah. Okay, so now if I can always make recompense to somebody if they're alive – Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one sin mm-hmm. that you cannot make recompense to is if somebody you've killed somebody. Why? Because they're dead. So I can't make recompense to them, right? You know, there's a joke about that. I'm, I'm sure there is, and I wouldn't interrupt what you're going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I thought we're, you'd we're be gonna... interested in a Jewish joke, right? You uh, said you can't make recompense to someone who's dead. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. It's a lawyer joke about putting a check in the. Coffin. Oh, I know that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, okay, so so David, uh, you've got Solomon born. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the one thing you cannot make recompense to is a person that's dead. I can do, I can pay back, I can do a lot of things, but I can't do it if they're dead. So, Uriah is dead. So he said, I've sinned against God. Well, I can't make it up to Uriah. He's dead. Mm -hmm. So, this is how it works on Rosh Hashanah. If you have not done it before, then you have a 10-day window. You go make uh, a right, you write some wrong you've done to a human being. If I steal 100 bucks from you, I take you 200 back, that kind of thing. Do to myself what you, I did to you. Mm -hmm. So I experience the same pain, the same mm -hmm. experience. Now, on Yom Kippur, what happens is I apologize only to God. Uh, by that time, I stand in front of God, as the story goes, and it's only between me and God. I've made things right with others, but now— Or uh, I have not. Or, oh. Judgment now comes from God on Yom Kippur. So mm -hmm. what you happen to have is either I've made up recompense to the person I did wrong for— because against you only have I sinned. Remember that phrase? Mm -hmm. Against uh, Psalm 51. Ah, there right? you go. Well, that's right. That's why he's saying that, because I made recompense. Now, let's see if we can figure out why. Now, I, I know this is not part of our reading, but just for explanation purposes, there's a, there is a proverb that Solomon writes. I'm not going to go to it right now. But he says, My mother Bathsheba crowned me king of Israel. Mm -hmm. Ah, Interesting. Yeah. So if uh, do you have your Bible with you? I do. Could I impose upon you? Oh, surely. Of okay. course. No, no imposition at all. Uh, well, don't call me Shirley. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look over, if you will, at chapter 1 of 1 Kings. Uh, I'm only jumping way ahead to the next chapter so we can get a picture of why he said okay. against God I've sinned. Okay? I'm there. All right. Now take a look, if you'll be so kind. Uh -huh. uh, did I hear ah? Uh? First, I'd like you to look at uh, verse, uh, if you'll be so kind, look at verse, um, let's see, uh, what's, uh, oh, here it is, First Kings, and go to... Uh, Chapter 1, verse 17. Well, see, I see Adonijah mentioned. Let me see. Okay. She replied. Okay. So Bathsheba, I'm going to set the scene. Bathsheba went into the king's bedroom. He was very old now, and Abishag was taking care of him, uh, the young girl, his young nurse that was taking care of him. Bathsheba bowed down before the king. What can I do for you, he asked her. She replied, verse 17, My Lord, you made a vow before the Lord your God when you said to me, Your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne. Ah, listen. Look what's happened. He can't make recompense to Uriah. So the next thing he's got is the kingdom of Israel. So he says, I promised Bathsheba. And, uh, and I think there's a couple other verses there, I believe. You vowed before the God that you, uh, your Solomon will surely be the next king. But instead, Adonijah has made himself king, and my lord the king does not even know about it. He has sacrificed many cattle, fatted calves, and sheep, and he has invited all the king's sons to attend the celebration. He also invited— Wait, 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 wait. Let's make it, because nobody's going to follow what you're doing. Okay. All right. Solomon was not really supposed to be king. But okay. Bathsheba comes and says— that's what. It, why is he not too supposed to be king? Because Adonijah is older than he? Okay, but let's go back. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get a, 
uh, let's take a look in uh, chapter one. Um, and I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm just jumping ahead for, to, for we, so we can understand. First mm-hmm. uh, Kings, and this is not our reading, but it gives us understanding. Uh, it says, First uh, uh, Kings chapter 1, verse 13, Go immediately to the king and tell him, Didn't my master swear to his servant, Your son Solomon will reign after me, and he will sit on the throne? And uh, she comes, as you said, and, and he said, the king asked her, Bathsheba, what would you like? 17, my lord, she said, you swore to your maidservant, by God your lord, your son Solomon will reign after me, and he will sit on the throne. Now. So Nathan sets this all up. Nathan tells her about the situation. Go remind and tells David, her, yes. Tells her to go talk to David, which she does, and she's, mm-hmm. she even tells her what to say. Now take a look. If you will, still same chapter in Kings. Look at 29 and 30. 29 and 30. Read those. Okay. And the king, let me see, called Bathsheba. So she came back in and stood before the king. And the king repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord leaves, who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be the next king and will sit on my throne this very day, just as I vowed to you before the Lord your God of Israel. Now, now we're starting to get a picture. He's taken the kingship of Israel, given it to Solomon, the child of Bathsheba. And that's how he's making what he can as recompense to the dead person, Uriah. Mm-hmm. That's why David would say back to the other time, against God I sinned. Because I, rec- I made recompense as best I can mm-hmm. by giving the kingship to Solomon. Okay. Now, what that causes, of course, is going to be a great conflict between the other children who looked forward to being the king. And that he actually is the predecessor and probably the fulcrum that caused even Absalom to rebel. But, okay, I just want to jump ahead so we get an idea. So when David wow. says, you get it? Yeah, I do. And what a mess. Yeah. What, you know, it, it, it's just, it, I guess that's one of the things that, what is that? There's a refrain. There's a there's a saying. Oh, what a web! Oh, we when first we practice to practice to deceive. Oh, what a web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Well, we're seeing a good example of that, right? Yes. Here, David does this thing that he covers it up mm-hmm. for a little over a year. He covers it up, and Nathan confronts him about his That's sin. Right. So what he's done? Whew. This is why he can say uh, that I have sinned against God. Uh huh. Because I've done as much, much recompense mm-hmm. physically in this world as I against can. God and God against and so that's God and God Samuel, alone. Chapter twelve, verse thirteen. David said uh-huh. again to Nathan, "I have sinned against God." He doesn't say that. What he's doing is he's made a vow that Solomon will be the king. Well, and, he and made that's that, why. Wait, and that's he made why that Proverbs. Lord, right? David wrote in Proverbs, not David, but Solomon wrote in Proverbs. My mother Bathsheba crowned me king of Israel because that was a vow to her. That's why Nathan over in Kings said, "Go, go, remind David of his vow." Now his vow was to make uh, the uh, the physical recompense as best he can to the baby of Bathsheba. Then. We have the difficulty of dealing with God after that recompense. So how do it, and how is he going to recompense his transgression against God? How does he do that? 
he has given away the kingship and the kingdom by promising to give that to Solomon. <laughs> okay. Isn't that interesting so stuff? It, it, so that's the way he makes it right with God? Oh. Very close. He's done. He's done. Oh, God expects justice. And if you harm somebody, for example, let's say that uh, I'm using this as an example. God forbid that you lied about somebody and put them in prison. Mm-hmm. And then you go to uh, whatever your religious belief is, and you just apologize to God, perhaps your religious advisor, priest, whoever, mm-hmm. and say, oh, I want to forgive my sins. And they say, oh, your sins are forgiven. Absolutely in the Bible that is not tolerated. You cannot go get forgiven while the person's still sitting in prison. You must make recompense to that person. Then God accepts your repentance. Now, if you want to see that, it's in the right after in Matthew. Mm-hmm. He said, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's what it's talking there about. There is a link between uh, – I, I, I want to add something there, but, 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 but I don't want to take off on a different tack. That's exactly right. And uh, I'm thinking about when Jesus says, if you as a believer, you go to the altar and you're talking to God – and but there's something wrong between you and another brother. He has something against you, you, him. You take, you leave your offering at the altar, and you go and make it right with your your brother, your, with your companion in faith. So that, and, and then also, um, uh, you know what you're saying about uh, this link that exists between. Some people say this, and, I've, and I don't like this sound of this because I don't know. It's just maybe I want to hear what you think about it. Some people say if you go to ask God forgiveness and you still have this this thing uh, against you, you still have this record, you have this thing that you've done to somebody else, yeah. and you haven't handled it. I'm, in other words, the scenario you've painted. Some people put it this way. They say God can't forgive you until you go make it right. And I hate to put the limitation on God. You know, of course, God limits his own, him, himself, him, his own self at times by by his word. And God, he he, when he commits himself, he made a promise, and he can't break his own word. But I I, I don't think I don't think in terms of God can't do something. God can't forgive you because what I would say is that you're not in any position. To receive God's forgiveness, you're not capable of the repentance and the and the and the uh, the godly sorrow, and, and unless you've made, you're not capable of receiving well, God's forgiveness. If because you cannot do it, that's a different matter. Like if the person's dead, how do mm-hmm. I make recompense? I mm-hmm. can't. He's mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have the example of David. What he did was he gave his kingdom, his kingship away. Ah. No, but yeah, uh, and he made it right. He kept his promise. Well, yeah. you can't bring a guy back to life. So he took the, well, what he I meant did, is, he did uh, yeah, the yeah, he didn't make it right, but but he kept his promise, and his son is now sitting on the throne. Uh, I understand. I guess. Well, Uriah's son, mm-hmm, Uriah, in a way, who should have been Uriah's son. Yeah. Okay, so we've got that. Now there's another story that we may gain some information from that actually comes before this earlier, Second Samuel chapter six. Do you still have your Bible with you? Yes. I'm looking at Psalm 51, folks, I, and I, I'd love to read it because it's so absolutely beautiful. Uh, but it, it well, is I went a, in a fair. If you want to read it, go ahead. A Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after he had committed adultery. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. 
Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean with, from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. I I just think it's so, I mean, you can catch the, the genuine, it seems to me, the heartfelt, genuine uh, repentance and asking God to forgive him, the acknowledgement of his sin. It, it's really very, very touching. There's another psalm where he talks about, oh, the joys of those who, whom God has forgiven their sins. Yeah, psalm 132, he's talking to is. God at that point. Uh-huh. And that's the, because he's, he's made his vow to give make Solomon king. No, it's not a recompense to the dead person because that person is gone. You cannot give him his life back. Okay, so what are we going to talk about when we come back from this break? Uzzah. Okay. Oh, the guy who touched the... Uh, Uzzah. Art? That's what I said I wanted to go back to Chapter 6 about. Okay. Because we may gain some insight. We'll do that, folks. We will take a quick break here. Don't go away. It'll be just a very short break. And we'll come back in our final segment of the evening. Talking about David and Samuel, well, not Samuel, but David and and uh, and, his, and Bathsheba and Solomon and this transition that's coming up from uh, transitioning the throne to Solomon. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Thanking you for joining us. Our final segment, if you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. We wouldn't mind at all hearing from you. We're talking about these closing chapters of the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, but we're ranging, we're connecting dots, uh, connecting passage with passage in the scriptures, and uh, talking about this experience uh, of David's um, David's uh, adultery with Bathsheba, the, 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 one of his 30 great men, the wife of one of his 30 great men, uh, uh, the Hittite, Uriah the Hittite, uh, and he, then he has him killed. Now, the, now the murder of Uriah is not being kind well, of addressed let's, 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 in all this. Is why it? don't we? Why don't you tell the story so people know what we're talking about? Okay, just quickly again. Now, uh, David Uriah, stays home. Not, not not Uriah. I'm talking about Uzzah. Oh, oh, we're going on to Uzzah. We're going to change name, Uzzah, change yeah. stories here. We, that's well, where we've been talking about David and 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 and, and Solomon and Bathsheba and so on in the transition of the throne. But there's a story okay. about Uzzah. All right, now we're go- let me get back to six. Uh, chapter Sorry. six. Get back to Second uh, Samuel chapter six. We see this guy David is moving. Uh, is this after the, the 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 Ark of the Covenant has been returned to them from the Philistines? 
Yes. Yes. The Philistines, remember, got they captured the Ark of the Covenant, but they couldn't handle it, and it was too hot for their and they had to send back the Ark, and so they put it on a, a cart, which is not the way you're supposed to uh, carry or transport the covenant, but the, the Philistines did this. And remember, the cow walked against all odds because a cow would never walk away from the, uh, her her uh, calves, but she does. She walks away and takes and delivers the Ark of the Covenant back to the people of Israel. So then David uh, decides at some point uh, – David decides that he is going to take the Ark of the Covenant back uh, to the city of David, right? Back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, he's going to move it to Jerusalem. And they place the Ark of the God on a new cart. It, it, which are not, it's, uh, if you want to read this, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Chapter 6. And it begins at verse 3. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Ab- Ab- Abinadab's house. That's where it had been being stored or kept uh, until they got back to its permanent housing or permanent place, and which is interesting as well because it brought great blessing on Abinadab's household. Uh, but anyway, and not to be distracted, uh, they placed the ark on a new cart, and which was on uh, – his cart was on – uh, his house was on a hill. That's an interesting detail, isn't it? Which was on a hill. Huh. Uzzah and – uh, Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart as it left the house. Hmm. So Uzzah is going along, carrying the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Uh, but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakon, that's a different threshing floor than it's not the yeah, threshing floor. Don't worry about it. Just keep going because we're so close to the story. The oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. The oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark of God on on the uh, on the uh, on the um, the cart that was carrying it. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah. It says, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the Ark of God. Okay, keep going because I want you to get through verse uh, number 9. David got ticked off. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. Who did David get mad at? At himself or at God? At God. Take a look. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? Was he instructed to bring the ark Ah, back into Jerusalem? Look what David's doing. Uh David said, he's asking a question. So how am I ever going to get the ark back to Jerusalem? Now, why would David have to ask that question? Because maybe God hadn't. No, because David doesn't know. He's sinning. Sinning is not knowing. Uh huh. So, oh. so David doesn't know. He's so trying to he figure said, out how am I going to get the ark back if yeah, I so ki- you sends, keep killing everybody. Now, the, the, the okay. question that first has to be addressed is: first, David set this up, and they, as you said, they brought all Israel there, and they're having all these celebrations, and the ark is on this wagon. Yeah. Now the ark that made the king look bad, didn't it? Well, let's see. Let's see. Because what's going to happen is this says the the the, the oxen stumbled a little bit, 
and the ark starts to slide off to hit the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Uzzah puts out his hand to steady the ark. That seems like a good thing, doesn't it? Of course it does. Yes. And it says, when they arrived at Nakon's threshing floor, Uzzah stretched out his hand uh, to steady the ark of God. And he grabbed it in the ark because the oxen had slipped. God's anger blazed at Uzzah. And he died right there. Now, doesn't it seem like Uzzah's doing a good thing? Of course it does. Mm -hmm. Then what's wrong with this story? Well, there's all kinds of things wrong with the story. The ark is not supposed to be on a cart. No one's supposed to uh, carry the ark or touch the ark or deliver or transport the ark except the Levites, and they had poles for that. But see, you know that, mm-hmm. and but we just read in nine. D- David didn't know that because he says, "Man, how am I ever going to? Uzzah's dead, how, and no, if I touches, it's going to die. How am I going to get the ark?" Verse nine: Get the ark back to Jerusalem. How am I going to do that? So David doesn't know. Does it take a prophet to come and tell it, well, to explain it to no, him, or what? So David doesn't know. We agree with that much, right? Mm-hmm. I see now, that. Now, let's go back and visit. Why did God have Uzzah die? Well, because he touched the ark, which he's not supposed to do. Okay. Haven't let's, you ever seen let's take the idea Indiana of Jones sin. and the ark? Let's take the idea of sin. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Perhaps we can go there when we get more time. Okay. <laughs> but for the time being, let's talk about sin. Does the earth that God made, does it commit sin? No. Never. So there's nothing wrong with the ark going on the ground. The ground is not sinning. What's mm-hmm. dirty to God is sin. Mm-hmm. is a sinner. So you can't have sin on something that's holy. That's the point. And David doesn't know this. So he caused Uzzah's death because David's lack of knowledge. He set up this scenario, yes, right? He did. That's, That's the why idea. when, verse 9, David feared God that day, and he wondered, how will I ever get the ark back to Jerusalem? Well, we know that eventually. So it's your thought there that he doesn't immediately recognize what he's done wrong. He doesn't, and he's trying to figure out, well, how am I going to. And that's why my question was, Is it did God move him and command him to get the ark, to move the ark from the tabernacle into the into Jerusalem? In other words, is David wanting to move the well, tabernacle? Well, take a look. Let's see if we have an answer in verse 10. Okay. Um, that's in the Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Adom of Gath. That's the guy that gets the blessing. I'm sorry, uh, from before. There's the guy that gets blessed from having the ark in his household. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Adom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Adom and his entire household. The king was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Adom's household and everything be he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Adam to the city of David with great celebration. In other words, did he finally figure it out? Well, it says, and it says 13, David, King David was informed, and God has blessed the household of Obed-Adam. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, sacrificed a bull and a fatty calf. So this time he's not on an ark. And this is a Levite. And these are Levites. This is the difference. Now, David was informed 
Now, unfortunately, the poor guy Uza, he got fried. And he always only obeying what David said. But David didn't know. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, so we have something going on here that David doesn't know. He causes Uzzah's death. Look at the transition. Then, unfortunately, then when we get to Uriah, David mm-hmm. becomes calculating. And this time he's covering up his wrongdoing, his sin. So we've got this whole thing is going So you're on. contrasting these two experiences of sin on David's part. One of them he knew was wrong and in with Uriah the Hittite and so on. And this one where he didn't know, mm-hmm. he unintentionally, I guess, caused or participated in the death of Uzzah here. But he didn't know. And so th- what is the difference then? Well, the point is it's trying to tell you that sometimes if you're in a leadership position and you don't know enough to be the leader, you can cause people to die. Yeah. Or you can do it intentionally. And there's a difference between negligence causing death and malice causing death. But they still cause death. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, you're supposed to, David was short-sighted and get, not getting advice before he began to move it. A good leader seeks information so he doesn't cause harm due to his lack of information. Yeah. Well, you would have thought David knew that if he read the Bible that much. I mean, because... It was clear that you're not supposed to transport the ark. There was a given specified way to transport the ark. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't know that. But he, did he like forget it, or did he? Did a prophet remind him of it? Did he? We don't know if he forgot it, but it would appear by the question, verse nine. How am I ever going to get it there? Mm-hmm. So it appears that for whatever reason he doesn't know. But what's the very last commandment given in the Torah? Uh, uh, yes, you're right again. It is uh, the, he is supposed to write two copies in his own hand of the. Oh Torah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, he gives one to the Levitical priest. He keeps one, and it sits on a pedestal by him. Mm-hmm. And that's his witness against them. That's meant to show that you're only king, and the only rules you can follow are God's rules. In other words, above the king, mm-hmm. you're not God, David. No king is of Israel anyway. And so you have to follow God's laws. That's where, and, just well, parenthetically, and, and, our nation was built on the idea of the, 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 under law. Well, right? here's the idea. Why would writing it in his own hands, what help would that be to David? To make sure he knew. He, if he had to write it, he had to there, know it at right. one time at least. So we have, I don't know that David has done this. But we learned this, that at this point, David did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, who failed to tell David? The prophet. Which prophet? Nathan? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, I don't know. Nathan, uh, there were probably several. There are a couple of different prophets mentioned that are that with whom David consults. I know Nathan was one of them. But So, listen, we only got a few minutes left. Maybe yeah. we should start talking about the sword because I waited on purpose. Okay, you. yeah, let's do, let's do, let's do. Okay, let's go Wow, back. but I really appreciate you taking us through that and showing us that particular contrast uh, And uh, as we end up the book of Second Samuel. Okay, let's go now to uh, what happened to the sword that David took from Goliath when he killed him, right, with a sling. He took his sword. He cut off his head. The head was buried there uh, near Jerusalem. We know that. But um, the the skull, place of the skull, 
And then what happened to the sword? Did we trace it any last well, week? Well, let's see. We know. I'm trying to now. I'm trying to find the uh, see where we at here. Uh, and why is that important? Well, let's see. If we is it cre- just a curiosity? No, curiosity is an important thing. Okay. But let's see if we can uh, figure out something else. All right. Uh, let's see, where is this? It's back. It's actually back in chapter one. I mean. Oh, yeah. We were talking about when Samuel. he li- went to li- live Samuel. with the Philistines with King Achish, and he pretended to be uh, insane. And you said that he here he was dragging this huge sword behind him and dr- drooling on his beard and all that it made him look more more uh, insane, which he, he pretended to be insane so he wouldn't have to go out and fight against uh, the Jewish people. Now, how did David kill Goliath? With a sling. Okay. Whack. Hit him right in the forehead. So he killed him with the sling, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So, he, uh, so the next thing we know the, is that uh, David, as you said, he took the head to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Goliath. That's where we get the name Golgotha, which mm-hmm. is the Greek translation of Goliath from Gath. Mm-hmm. Place of the skull. Uh, but it's, called, it's Greek. It's called. Mm-hmm. In Hebrew, it's Goliath from Gath. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so what happens is, then uh, he said, uh, he at one point, of course, he's uh, they, he's been told he could marry Saul's daughter. Michael. Says, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Go get uh, 404 skins, which means he's d- doing the teaching lesson that he later used against Uriah, mm-hmm. setting him up in battle. But David pulls it off, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> he had this done to him, too. He got uh, put up against it. So he learned his lesson. Mm-hmm. So this deceit gets t- passed on. Mm-hmm. And, and your sins find you out, you might say, because certainly what happens is is uh, you're obviously uh, he David made a promise, uh, some recompense promises, a vow to Solomon, Bathsheba's son, and that of course that made terrible problems with his other children. Now, but this is interesting. So let's go, and we remember we we uh, David goes, and he asks the priest. Chapter twenty-one. Here it is. Look at what he does. He goes to the priest. And he says to the priest, uh, do you have anything we can eat? And that's chapter 21, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you have anything we can eat? And he says, well, there's no ordinary bread here. There's only the holy bread. Yep. If if the young, your young men, your soldiers, have kept themselves away from women, does that mean that women were bad? No. No. Then what's he talking about? Uh, uh, the cleansing. The, the, uh, no, because you're not allowed on the, at certain times to create create on certain days on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. etc. You're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to create. God rested on the on that particular Sabbath. And it's part of what you said about uh, sin cannot touch something is holy, and it's, right. this is holy bread. This is the show bread from the right. tabernacle. Well, take a look over here. And then take a look and uh, look at verse nine. And why don't you read nine and ten if you don't mind? Okay. And what I mean by holy there is not this 
Right. Kind and I'm only rushing of, because of time. I know. But I, 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 I think it's important to say this is bread that has been set aside for God. Well, and, for the, so. and every week they change it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And the bread that's left over, I think, is what David got. Yeah. Okay. So the new loaves he didn't get. The bread that was okay. left over mm-hmm. is what he got. Okay. So okay. Uh, eight and nine, you said? No, nine and ten. Nine and ten. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Allah. And... Uh, David asked Ahimelech, do you have a sword or, or spear? Uh, the king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. Is that true? No. No. I, that, so that's an untruth. We agree? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. So David has told him he's on there. He's there from the orders of the king. And of it's Saul. a mission. Yeah, so. But he's running from Saul. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Allah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, but there's nothing else here. Now, what's wrong with that, if if you know? Well, It's in the temple, right? What's glass sword oh, made in out of? In the tabernacle. Well, tabernacle. Tab- Whatever. But it's in, it's in that holy place. What's yes, the, yes. And, but the iron is what glass sword's made out of. That's a man-made alloy. So we know for sure, because earlier it tells us that Goliath's mm-hmm. sword is made out of iron. Mm-hmm. And it's a weapon of war. It's not supposed to be in this religious place, temple, tabernacle, whatever you want to call it. But it's there. Tabernacle is what we call it. Well, that'll be fine. The, uh, the rest of us call it butter. Us Jews. Or corn, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, go ahead. Okay, so. Uh, it's wrapped in a cloth behind uh-huh. the ephod. So he, it's there and, and it's the behind. And the ephod is that, that chest piece, right? It's a piece that the breastplate, the would, breastplate. Would, would set on. I see, okay. Uh, but other people other than, than the priests can wear that ephod. So it's stored there in okay. the tabernacle. So mm-hmm. there it is. So he says, if you want to take it, take it, for it's the only one there. Okay. David says, there's nothing like it. Give it to me. Give it to me. Now, right there is our last official time that we have a record of David's sword, sword. and Goliath's sword. Uh-huh. Then now look at verse 11. So David rose and fled from Saul that day. And he came to who? Achish of Gath. Ah. So we have now only two possibilities. One, David hid it in the ground, hid it somewhere before he got to that king, Achish of Gath. Gath. Uh-huh, okay. Or he took it with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's only two possibilities. Now let's see. It says, And this like, is Gath, so they would they recognize Goliath's of sword? Of course they would. Okay. That's, uh, you're becoming Sherlock here. <laughs> okay, so now, now, if it isn't David, and the curiosity, verse 12, uh-huh. and the, uh, my version says, And the courier said to him, Well, if it isn't David, king of the land, Israel, isn't he the one of whom they sing, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands? Mm-hmm. And verse 13, why don't you read 13? Uh, David heard these comments. He was afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him, so he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. And dragging Goliath's sword alongside him, I guess. So, I don't know. so what we got is Although we only have mentioned. two possibilities. He didn't have it with him. We picked it up from the priest of Nav, and he either hid it somewhere or he took it with him. Now, let me suggest something to you. Just think about it for a second. Which one did he do? Well, let's talk about it. Let's see if okay. we can figure it out. Okay. Let us come. Let us reason together. All right. Now, he's going to go to the king of Gath, right? 
Aha. And he's and we've just been told, isn't that David that kills tens of thousands? And and so David, how by the way, how big uh, is the average sword? Three feet. Three feet. Good guess, about right. Yeah. And how big was Goliath's sword? It was a it was a shot or a thrust in the dark. Goliath's sword must have been six or seven feet. Uh, they figure between five and seven. Yes. Okay. And it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. And imagine. Goliath, by the way, is also the uh, same equivalent descendant of uh, Ruth's sister, or the the one back yeah. in the book of Ruth. Orpha. And that was Orpah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, this is very interesting. So, in a sense, in a distant relative, since Goliath has some relationship to David in a way, mm-hmm. so David shows up and talks to the king. And he's, he's, he, hears, he hears what the other people say, that this is the guy that killed all these people. And why are they singing that song? Because David has obviously killed Goliath. So the last time we know for sure that David had it is after he picks it from the priest. There's only two possibilities at this point. One, he hid it. Or he took it with him to impress the king of Achish. You with me? I'm with you. Uh, and he hears that these people are singing a song about this guy. So, to the best of Jewish recollection, he left Goliath's sword there with King Akesh of Gath because that was his emblem, his calling card, you might say. Now, the question is, why would he leave it there? And that's something nobody knows the answer to. Perhaps in the future we'll find out. So that's the idea that was left. That's the great. Yes. So we you can't David tell us exactly retur- where it is. <laughs> well, no, but I can I can tell you this in the Encyclopedia Britannica, nineteen eleven. There is a suggestion that it was taken to Ireland, but those are myths. I know Hitler had his troops looking for a couple of different spears and the sword, but at any rate, huh. uh, those are all stories and whatever. But but the but the truth is. That if he took it back, and that's the understanding, he took it there. That was his calling card. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's crazy, but he's carrying this great big long heavy sword. Uh, makes him that they probably recognized. They recognized, and even maybe revered or respected it a little sure. bit. Right? Would they have? Sure. Like a baseball card with yeah. it. Wow! I want. I'd like to have that. Well, That'd be what, whatever. But it, it was his his conduit to get in. Okay. So let's say he did that now. The reason it's telling this song, it interjects that song so we understand something about that the information is. They're saying to the king of Akesh, they're saying, look, this is David that kills 10,000. That's all part of the song about it got started when David killed Goliath. Anyway, we're out of time. We did it. We answered I, I the question. I don't know that we, we did it. Kept we, our, we certainly didn't did something. We took a but, shot at it with a sword. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's just say this: that you should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. I guess it'd be more appropriate to say we took a stab at it, right? Why not? Instead of a shot, you know, since we're talking about a sword. There you have it, folks. <laughs> Come, we'll see you next Sunday night. Have a great week. To helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. 
Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.